everyone. Welcome back to In Her Wallet, a weekly podcast helping women around the world take control of their finances for good and build better financial futures one episode at a time. My name is Sophia. I'm the host of this podcast, the founder of In Her Wallet, and also a licensed investment representative here in Canada. This Wednesday, I am bringing you a new episode with another female founder, a new series in season two where I chat with female entrepreneurs about their path to successfully building companies and all the hurdles and challenges they get to find along the way and how they overcome them. The guest of today's episode is Lauren Winata. She is a former venture capitalist turned founder of her own non-alcoholic drink startup, Milati Drinks. In less than a year off its launch, Milati, otherwise known as Asia's first non-alcoholic aperitive, is listed on the menus of Michelin-starred restaurants and is taking not only Singapore, the place of its origin, but also US and Canada by storm. Lauren and I met in Los Angeles, where she was doing a shoot for her beverage line at the hotel I was staying at. I even got to assist her as a model and also got to try the beverage, which I absolutely loved. I am very excited to learn more about Lauren and her path of building this startup from scratch. Lauren, thank you so much for being with us today and welcome to In Her Wallet. Wow, thank you for that introduction. That was really great. Uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm so excited to have you on, Lauren. Before we dive in, let's do a little bit of an icebreaker. What's your, so our community can, can get to know you better. What's your go-to coffee order? I like a extra hot cappuccino. Oh, okay. Extra hot. I like that. And what's your favorite movie that you can re-watch again and again? Do you have like one like that? It's a bit silly, but I'm a hopeless romantic and I love The Notebook. Also just the cinematography in it. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I love that movie as well. And finally, if you could move anywhere in the world right now, where would that be? Oh, I have a dream where I live in the Mediterranean and I just cook with grandmothers in alleys and I'm sourcing for ingredients and drinking local wine and, of course, malati. And yes. so I think somewhere in the Mediterranean would be perfect. You painted such a beautiful picture. I want to do that as well. <laughs> Let's dive in, Lauren. Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you did prior to Malati? Sure. Yeah. So previously, I had worked as a venture capital that was a uh, capitalist. That was my career before. So working in early stage tech companies, so mostly just tech in Southeast Asia and Asia, Asia Pacific region. Uh, so this was really great from anything from, you know, identifying companies out there. And in Southeast Asia, the beauty of it is that, you know, even though the ecosystem was developed only in the past, let's say, seven to 10 years, it's grown so rapidly and so quickly. Um, and it's just ripe for, for disruption. How was the idea for Malati born and what led you to quitting your job and, and pursuing that full time? Yeah, I really enjoyed the process of uh, what it was as, as my career as a, as a venture capitalist. However, my number one love has always been food and drink. And so, you know, these are that's truly what makes me happy. Like I'm happy to cook, to host and and everything around food. I'm a massive foodie. 
So during this time when I was in VC, I, you know, didn't drink for, for a while. I didn't drink in meetings. I was traveling one to three times a week, maybe not sleeping very much. <laughs> and alcohol just didn't serve my purpose back then. Not to say I don't enjoy, you know, a glass of wine. I'm not here for complete abstinence. Um, I'm just here to have a great option that's super flavorful, delicious, and also healthy that's not filled with sugar or sodas or things like this um, while I'm enjoying, you know, food. Because just because you're not drinking doesn't change the people that you're meeting. It doesn't change the food that you're eating um, or your lifestyle, really. And that's really why I wanted to produce something that, you know, was premium and delicious. And so I kind of look back into my heritage uh, within Indonesia and Southeast Asia and Asia as a whole, where we've traditionally had tonic remedy drinks that did not contain alcohol. So now we're sourcing these exact same ingredients, 70% organic from throughout Asia. And then we're cold extracting them, which means super low temperatures, high pressure, which gets out all the oils and all the plant characteristics. So the health benefits intact uh, for six weeks. And that also just gives us the product completely without alcohol instead of a de-alcoholization process that will leave you with, you know, 0.5% alcohol or won't be friendly towards our more religious friends who can't take any alcohol at all. I, I think I told you when we were in LA, my sister doesn't drink alcohol. So for her, it's always been either water with a slice of lemon or a juice like there is nothing else on the on the market and and the non-alcoholic cocktails that you can get you don't know how much sugar there is like there are so many additional layers of questions that you kind of have to ask yourself so I totally see the pain point that Malachi is solving and I love it my question is you did mention in your answer that Malachi is a premium beverage line why did you make the decision to go that route the only way that we could really make a product that would fit in, you know, a Michelin starred restaurant or fine dining restaurants or even at a home bar or be nice enough to give as a hostess gift to a good friend is something that took a very laborious process in which we have. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's truly the cost of the production, which is more expensive than even producing alcohol <laughs> sometimes, wow. um, especially for us. So yeah, we wanted to make something that truly celebrates all the Asian botanicals that we have and, and in itself, the ingredients that we're sourcing like goji berries, like choke berries from Korea, we're sourcing them to the highest standard. And I mean, it's innately expensive. So, so why I chose to have something expensive is because I didn't want to drink anything else that was actually full of sugar and colorings and flavorings and artificial things that, that you will see in a lot of other non-alcoholic drinks. Yeah. So we just wanted to set a higher standard um, to have a drink that just was also equally celebratory and equally, you know, indulgent just without the alcohol or nasties. 
And I mean, in general, when we are socializing, we part of the experience is to have these beautiful, nice things around, around you. And the glass that you pour your drink into Malati's bottle is beautifully designed. And the you. shots you were made, I saw you make that time in LA. I mean, yeah on your Instagram everything is just beautiful it gives you that sense of um a little bit of a luxury right into how you're socializing and so I think we sorry to interrupt I think we look at a specific pain point when we were producing the products right well my pain point was you know there are a lot more women entering the workforce there are a lot more women coming up to middle upper class because you know now we're we're having careers and we're becoming good earners ourselves. Um, now it's not always safe for a woman, let's say if she's traveling alone for work situations and or if she's surrounded in a meeting with a lot of people, you know, maybe you don't feel safe necessarily drinking to your heart's yeah. desires. Um, and, you know, or maybe you just want to stay sharp. So I think that's an interesting use case, which I personally and my friends have also benefited from, where, you know, we're able to be part of the conversation instead of just a soda water with lime or lemon, which was my previous drink of choice. Um, drink. Exactly. With a bar call that you can just say, oh, I'll have a Malati spritz or I'll have something. It looks beautiful in a glass. It's, you know, our classic is a beautiful maroon color and our fresh is a lovely like dark orange. And, you know, you don't feel like you're missing out and you're not questioned by anyone, which, you know, unfortunately, that that is a reality. That is the case. Yes. And if you also look at uh, Asian women, around 60% upwards don't have the enzyme to actually metabolize alcohol. And so, you know, at the risk of our health and at the risk of, you know, sacrificing the way, like feeling good um, in a social situation or even just personally, uh, that's always, you know, hopefully solving an issue. Let's take a step back. Um, I understand that Malati now is your full-time gig. Um, how did you prepare yourself financially to leave a well-paying job and take a risk of building a startup? What did that look like for you? A big, you know, investment tip or whatever that I have is that to save as much as you have and delayed gratification, I think, um, was the thing. So the moment that I knew I wanted to set up a company, which was, you know, I, I had known for many years, I just had various ideas. And I think I had such a fear of leaving the comfort of, you know, getting a salary every month, which there's no shame in. And, and honestly, I question myself still to this day, every day. Um, you know, it was a lot of saving and it was a lot of sacrifice of having, you know, not traveling, of not spending as much, of really budgeting, of saying, okay, every month I need to allocate X amount of my salary into savings. And of course, that only gets you so far when you're, you know, young and maybe not making as much as, you know, someone much older than us. But I think the beauty in that is also having some side gigs. So, um, besides the saving, I was supplemented by some side businesses that I did. Um, and, you know, they did, they, you know, my advisor had said to me, because I was telling him about my inertia about starting a company. And he said, well, the only way to be an entrepreneur is to be one. And he said, that doesn't mean you need to dive, you know, head in into starting, leaving a company and starting your own. It could just mean that you set up a drop shipping website um, or drop ship on Amazon and sell other people's goods or set up an e-commerce, you know, website 
online and which is what I did. I set up a dropship website uh, that was based on a social media food Instagram that I had. And then I also worked on weekends doing freelance photography for some restaurants. And so, you know, that also helped to to support some of the day-to-day expenses that I had as an individual. Now, after a while, I did end up raising money for my company. And, um, you know, I think most investors won't be so happy with you taking a salary just from the get-go. Maybe at maximum a stipend after, you know, you've shown some traction or some success. So it is definitely um, planning to start a company is, is a big is a big thing. And so eventually now, yeah, a stipend. Do you still continue with those small side gigs right now? Or is that kind of uh, on pause right now? You know, it's really tough, I think, to run a company because it consumes you fully. Um, so I've definitely not done as much of the side gigs and just fully focused on on growing Malati. Lauren, given years of experience in the VC industry and how familiar you've been with startup culture, was there anything um, that was surprising to you or that anything that you weren't prepared for when you started Milati? Absolutely. I mean, I think previously as an employee, you're never subject to that much responsibility. You know, I think the biggest thing was when we started paying payroll, then you realize that you're actually responsible for providing for other people and their families. That's when the real stress kicks in. <laughs> so, you know, just, I think it's more of a mental game than anything else. Of course, you know, you have to be smart and you have to be able to accept help from people who know much better from you. And there will be many people who know a lot more than you. And there'll be other people who will not know as much as you. And so I think more than anything else it's a complete mental game that you play with yourself and so you have to be able to set aside space for you to really process those things and and you have to stay strong yes i think the mental side of things and really giving yourself i think credit for the path that you're pursuing but also uh giving your time to digest everything. I mean, as a solo founder, you wear so many hats at the same time. That time in LA, you were doing the shoot for your beverage. You were acting as a creative (laughs) producer, as the photographer, looking for the model on the spot. I mean, that's a lot, right? It's stressful, of course. What has been the biggest challenge for you so far as a solo founder? I'm not sure if there's one big challenge. I do think that I wasn't prepared to just continuously be firefighting. (laughs) You know, it's continuous. If there's one thing, then another thing will come up tomorrow. And so I think you just have to keep rolling with the punches. And like what you said, you know, as a solo founder, you do wear a lot of hats. You're continuously and you have to learn. And my philosophy is that I would never hire someone for something that I didn't have a baseline understanding of already, because if I just hire someone to do it, then, you know, what's, you know, a hundred times growth of zero, you know, you'll never understand what the baseline is for that. And so you don't understand how good of a job they're doing or what the potential could be for that element of things. So, you know, I think in the beginning, my personal philosophy is that you kind of do have to understand everything on on a basic level, but just have that there first before you have someone hopefully scale that that element up. 
Lauren, when you first made the formula for the drink, I assume it took you several times to readjust it and you had that MVP. What acted as proof of concept that made you decide, yes, we are ready to launch and we're ready to go into the market? So I think any founder will tell you that they're never fully happy with any product that they have. It did take two years. Um, I worked with a food scientist and also Ayurvedic specialist, uh, which is a traditional medicine doctor. Because of the ingredients that we were using in there, we wanted to make sure that it was very authentically used and you know properly used. Um, and then after that, I went around testing it with various sommeliers and bartenders that had world-class institutions and literally just walking in with bottles and trying to have them taste it and give their feedback because they will know how the product performs best or, you know, how it pairs well with food, which is important. And basically, after we had the final product, I think, you know, you just have to launch. And then you can always reiterate is what other people had said to me. And so that was really, you know, it was just getting product to market first and seeing how people responded to it. So we since have done a rebrand, as in we've changed the labels as we enter a different market to reflect our heritage a lot better. So that has been done. So just getting the MVP out was our core mission. And we're always continuously working on improving the liquid. And when you launched Lauren, collecting that initial feedback from customers that you are now on the market, did that ever make you pivot or change? Yeah, I think, you know, you could give the same thing to 10 different people and they will say 10 different things. So at a certain point, you have to, you know, be brave enough to call the shots and say, okay, this is, you know, where it is. And that's, I think, a really tough part of being a founder is the buck stops with you and you are responsible, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately, and you can only make the best decision with that amount of information you have at that point in time. And so, yeah, and then move on. The, the reason why I'm asking, that's been a real learning curve for me as a first-time founder developing the e-learning platform that I'm working on mm -hmm. for women on personal finance. I work with a number of mentors and everyone has their own take on the product that I'm developing. And at first being eager, obviously, to work with mentors, I would apply every single mm -hmm. feedback. Now I came around to learn that obviously I need to be very selective and I need to prioritize Absolutely. as I'm the person who's leading the project. Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was cool to hear that from you as well. So you did kind of touch base on the launch I know when we spoke with you you mentioned that um, originally you were planning to launch in the US and North America but because everything was happening during COVID you actually launched in Singapore um, how did that go and um, can you talk a bit more about whether you're trying to enter US market right now Canada market um, where's the presence of Milati right now Yes. So, uh, uh, you know, to that point, I think I was pushed by external people to launch in Singapore when I felt that it was not right. It wasn't the right product market fit for me. Um, it's a very different drinking culture. For me, I would have just launched in the US market first and or the UK market. So I almost do regret a bit launching first there, but then you can't say that because it gave us a great launch pad to understand you know, how to refine the product a lot more. Um, so as a result, we only are now this year in 2023 launching within the U.S. market. You know, what that entails is a U.S.-based website because obviously we only had a Singapore one being able to do fulfillment also from 
the U.S. market and, you know, just having an entity over here to operate as a business. Um, we now uh, can ship throughout the U.S. We also have a partner in Canada um, that ships throughout Canada and supplies the restaurants and bars over there. So there, uh, we can provide you a link for that. They're called Not Wasted uh, in Canada. And so, yeah, the goal this year is really to grow our online presence because we you're like forever since inception till now we have primarily been doing b2b sales and so now we're going to ramp up hopefully our d2c sales and have a lot more individuals like yourself and hopefully people who are listening to this podcast uh purchase from our website Yes, we will definitely include the link in the bio. One interesting question I want to, interesting point for me is obviously North America Malatis, not at the level where, you know, everyone knows what this is. So how do you go about getting your foot in the door and getting Malati to be a beverage of choice on the menu at restaurants and in stores? Yes. So at the end of the day, to get into restaurants and stores, you just have to go down to the restaurant and stores and have someone try it, contact buyers. It's a lot of sales outreach. It's a lot of just hustling your way in. And, you know, we're also doing a lot of tastings at the retail stores that do sell us so that people can actually try the product. Because at the end of the day, as nice as something may look, I think it has to taste very good also, and you have to actually like it. <laughs> Lauren, so how long has it been in total over three years now or under three years working on Milati? I think it's been around, yeah, three years uh, from inception. So we didn't actually launch the company until, you know, a couple years after that. Um, and so we launched in the thick of COVID in Singapore where we were on full lockdown, which meant we couldn't even leave the house and or see anyone else outside of our household and you know in asia we took it quite seriously for a very extended period of time uh compared to north america or the rest of the world so that was definitely a struggle and then again you know it's just rolling with the punches <laughs> have you launched a point of profitability with the company yet we are not profitable yet um that being said we're almost break even so we don't burn a terrible amount of money. So um, the goal is to to hit that break-even point this year. Because, yep. you know, as we scale and grow into another market, we've had to hire for a different market. And so it's always that chicken and egg situation of how can you scale, you know, without the investment put in. The reason why I'm asking this is because I really want to illustrate to um, all the girls who want to follow that path that there is no overnight success. And you're a great example of that. You've done gone through so many challenges. You have you you're still striving and you're determined to achieve success with this company. So I mean, it's great that you are. I hope that everything goes well in the U.S. and Lati is on the shelf of every restaurant. Lauren, what's your advice to women who might be seeing a problem like you did back in your VC days and want to create a product uh, that would solve? an issue they're passionate about. What's your advice to women like that? I think one core thing is even before you can start the business, you can show traction. So that will, you know, be a proof of concept to, to show that there is truly a need. And you can do that very well for free, essentially, on social media by building a community of like-minded people. And then once, you know, you're providing 
um, maybe information about that product, then you can show that, okay, these are, you know, a cap, this is a captive audience of people who actually find this a pain point and want a solution. And now I'm able to offer them a solution. So you're not, you know, jumping into the waters first without knowing a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by the way, we'll include your Instagram where your, your food blog I know you have a very big following there. So I assume that's what you're talking about. You've built that community and now you can launch your product into that community as well. Yeah, it's just a great starting. We need all the help that we can get. Well, everyone does. And so definitely having that feedback loop also is a great option. Perfect. Uh, Lauren, as we're wrapping up our conversation, I want to ask you two questions that I ask every guest. What does financial freedom mean to you? I think to me, it means just not worrying about, you know, the things that you want for your lifestyle. So whatever that is and whatever lifestyle that you want to have, I think that means financial freedom. Yes, I agree with you. And what do you think every woman who wants to achieve that level of financial freedom should do to get on that path? I think setting aside a very specific budget um, of how much you need to set aside every month because a little, you know, it compounds and that's, you know, something small that I think everyone can do no matter, you know, what they have, just even if it's a small amount, it, it will add up. Lauren, how can our community get in touch with you? How can they purchase Malati in Canada or the US if you want, if they want to try it? Firstly, we have a website, malatidrinks.com, for the U.S. market and for the rest of the world, essentially. For Canada, we recommend, um, I think, for free shipping, getting it from our partner, Not Wasted. We'll send you the link. And then for all updates, you should definitely follow us on socials. So Malati Drinks on Instagram is the best way. I read every single one of those DMs that get sent in. So if you just want to say hi to me, please do. Um, And then we always like to keep people updated on there. Perfect. Love it. Okay. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your journey. I think there is so much valuable, valuable information that all of us can um, learn from you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Sophia. So ladies, thank you all for being with us today. As always, I want you to give yourself credit for showing up for yourself and for your financial future. Because every time you increase your financial knowledge, you increase what's financially possible for you. Thank you all and see you next week.